Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Tuesday, August the 18th, as we come off an off day yesterday. How about that? The Phillies get a day off. Uh, don't get used to that. There will not be many of those this season, and the Phillies are still playing seven games this week because we still have a doubleheader this week ahead of us tonight in Boston and then uh, heading to Toronto after that and then Atlanta to finish out the week. We'll dive into what's coming up for the Phillies this week. A lot to get into. First, though, um, looking back, a couple things to discuss before we start to look ahead and, and where this team is at, a couple of injuries starting with we talked a little bit yesterday, uh, you know, prior to the game, finding out about Roman Quinn. Uh, we are hoping the best from a, a COVID perspective with Roman Quinn. Um, not sure when he will be able to return right now. Scott Kingery, the only healthy center fielder on the team. But also on Sunday, the Phillies potentially lose Jay Bruce and Gene Segura. It does look like of the two, Segura is the more worrisome injury, uh, Jay Bruce, a quad injury. It does not look serious, more of a day-to-day thing. That is great news. They need all the bodies they can get out there. We've seen this really throughout baseball this year. There have been a insane number of injuries across the league, particularly to pitchers, so it is something to, to keep an eye on. This has been um, not unexpected, right? <laughs> we came into this year saying with the weird ramp up and you know, the spring training, then being off for five months, four months, and then going back and summer camp and all that, that we were probably going to see a rash of injuries. And it has not been anything less than we would expect. It's been exactly what we expect. Um, the Phillies are starting to feel that. The Segura one is the one that is is more concerning. I would say a hamstring injury for Segura. He had a hamstring strain last season and has had five trips to the I.L., for a hamstring injury since debuting in the majors, that's a serious injury. Uh, you know, um, from the perspective of, and and look, when we were just talking about coming into the season expecting more injuries, these were the type of injuries I was expecting. You're expecting more hamstrings, more quads, more obliques, the soft tissue type, type stuff, the body just not being ready for the rigors of what it's going to have to go through. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot of. Again, Jay Bruce, the quad, that is that type of injury. Not to the same extent as the Zagura hamstring. But the Zagura hamstring is a real issue. And those are also the type of injuries that linger. You know, those are the type of things where a player, um, you know, you think he's only going to be out a week and then he's out three weeks because it either lingered or he tried to come back and re-hurt it or all that. This is a concern. And it's a shame because Segura finally starting to get the back going a little bit. You know, we're starting to see a couple of those guys, McCutcheon and Segura, two that stick out to me as guys who, you know, we've been concerned about and 
have started over the last week or so, the last few games, to start to get those bats going. Obviously, McCutcheon, the big home run on Sunday. Segura homer the day before. Segura with that triple to lead off that game. Segura is you know, starting to hit a little bit, starting to bat at the top of the order, lead off one day, second in the lineup the other day, and, and you know, has kind of um, been an important presence and also has played a really good second base, too. I mean, he's been a, I would say, above-average second baseman in the, the small glimpses we've seen him in at that position i've been pretty impressed with cigar i think he's done a nice job there defensively and um it's too bad it's too bad to slow down that progress as um again i would expect an il trip coming not for sure but um you know it's a type of injury where i'm a, a little concerned a little concerned um hopefully adam Hazley will be off the il on friday he is eligible to come off on the 21st the wrist sprain that he suffered that would be a a big get especially look if the Segura injury um you know if Segura is out for an extended period of time all of a sudden I mean we're talking about with right now Kingery have to play center field I mean it's Neil Walker and Phil Gosselin at second base and don't get me wrong I'll take barrels in the lineup all day every day but you're 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 light you know you're you're all of a sudden you're pretty light at some position second base being one of them center field being one of them and those are you know having Kingery back and forth and a good again look we're talking about Scott Kingery is someone who you know, got some days off last week but is is someone who has really struggled I know he had a couple hits in back to back games but um, didn't look impressive isn't hitting the ball hard still still looks lost at the plate for the most part and now. Um, is someone who you would hope you could get a day off or two in there just because he needs it. He does not look right, and yet now not only does he have to play every day, but now he's playing center field every day, a position he doesn't feel super comfortable with. Um, it's a concern. You know, the, the Kingery situation is a concern, period, just where he's at from an offensive perspective is a concern, and now playing center field. Now, personally, I don't buy in too much to the whole theory of, of him playing the same position every day and how much that helps him offensively and all that type of stuff. Though Kingery did talk a little bit about how, you know, he'd hoped to, to be able to stay at second base every day and all that. But, um, you know, I think I think players just got to go out and play a little bit here. With, with the Scott Kingery type of thing, I, I think he's struggling. It's understandable that he's struggling, you know, battling COVID, um, maybe not quite fully back from that. Who knows? But in terms of the positional thing, uh, you know, I think part of Kingery's value is the fact that he can play multiple positions. Like, that's that's it. That's what it is. And, look, you see guys have great careers bouncing all over the diamond. Ben Zobrist, the name that comes to mind immediately as somebody who spent 15 years, you know, playing different positions and just bouncing around the diamond. Um, it makes you valuable, Scott. So uh, I would embrace it because right now, you know, you're not doing enough to be valuable otherwise. <laughs> so I think, um, look, we're going to see Kingery in center. I think we see Gosselin and Walker platooning at second base. I would say Walker probably against righties and Gosselin against lefties for now. Um, and you hope that Hazley can come back Sunday, move Kingery back to second base for now, and then you're kind of just mixing and matching. We will, uh, you know, I think pretty clear to see Alec Bohm every day now, um, which is a good thing. You know, I don't think you you bring Bohm up and, and not play him, so... I do think that's positive. I think that'll help the team offensively. He looks ready to roll from the jump. We talked about it a bit yesterday, but um, batting 286, 333 OBP at 429 slugging through his first four games. He is 4 for 15, 4 for 14, excuse me, at the plate. Um, did have that big double down the right field line, the RBI double, fly ball down the right field line, double in his first at bat down the left field line. Um, the power is not there yet. Uh, again, we've talked about this. I think it's going to be time before we see. Alec Baum, 30-plus home run guy, but he knows how to handle the bat. You know, he feels comfortable up the plate. He's, um, 
feels like he could take a pitch whichever way it needs to go. He's not looking to pull a ball. He's not looking to overpower it. He's just looking to take it where it needs to go. And um, I've been very impressed so far with Boehm. I, I have very high hopes for what Alec Boehm can give this team now and moving into the future. So um, that's exciting stuff. Let's take a look at where this team is offensively, though, because I do think that, you know, we've talked a lot about some of the negatives with this team. But offensively, this team is actually – you know, and look, again, we know a lot of it comes from Harper and Romuto. Like, don't get me wrong. They're they're the catalysts. Um, but this team is really, you know, offensively, and again, those two guys get a lot of credit for it, but they're playing really good baseball offensively. They're raking. Uh, you know, the Phillies, if you look around the league, they're number three in all of baseball in team slugging percentage. They're number three in all of baseball in team on base percentage. They are striking out less than anyone else in baseball. They're striking out only 18.7% of the time. For reference sake, the Yankees, the vaunted Yankees, 22.8% of the time. I mean, this team is not striking out. They're putting the ball in play. They're hitting for average. Um, They've been a really good offensive ball club. I mean, they're averaging close to six runs a game at this rate, you know, uh, over the last recent stretch. Um, You know, not quite, obviously, that number earlier in the season, they're playing good baseball as far as it goes. Um, You know, offensively speaking, um, really, again, have been one of the best offenses in baseball so far, Um, which, you know, it just doesn't feel that way when you watch this team every day. It just, it feels inconsistent. It feels like, um, you know, that they're not really getting to the level they need to on a night-to-night basis. But but in reality, I mean, from a numbers perspective, they are. And again, look, JT Romuto batting 300, a 354 OBP with a 717 slugging percentage, leading the team with eight home runs. That is insane. 20 RBI so far. He has been an absolute monster, a 1071 OPS which, crazy enough, isn't even as good as Harper. Now, the eight home runs to Harper's four, obviously, are massive, but Harper's got him beaten pretty much every other category other than slugging percentage. Harper batting 364 on the season. Bryce Harper, a 493 on-base percentage right now. He is getting on base almost half the time. He steps up to the plate, a 673 uh, slugging percentage. Bryce Harper, an 1165 OPS through 17 games. My man is having an MVP type season. That's the way Bryce Harper's playing right now. He's playing like an MVP. And guess what? So's Romito. Those two guys, it is hard. I, I bet you it's hard to find any two duo in Major League Baseball playing better than Bryce Harper and JT Romito right now. Legitimately. They're at that level. And look, they should be. I mean, they're the core of the team. They're the two best guys. Um, you know, this team needs them to carry him, but really, truly, the numbers speak for themselves. They've been two of the best players in baseball this year, um, and and they've really helped cattle be catalysts for this offense, because when you look around, look, um, you know, Phil Gosson's playing great baseball, a, a 12.03 OPS, now just not a ton of opportunities, but he's been great in every opportunity he's gotten. Jay Bruce having a really nice year, an 8.68 OPS when given the opportunity. Andrew Knapp's been hitting every time he gets an opportunity, um, but um, some of the regulars have not been good enough, as you know we've talked about. I mean, Reese Hoskins, the 695 OPS, that is 
for, excuse me, 691 OPS, just not good enough. A 408 OBP is nice. That is obviously terrific. The batting average above 200, what a miracle, 208. You're excited about that, but the slugging percentage of 283 is just horrendous. I mean, not as bad as Scott Kingery, who somehow is slugging 128. Scott Kingery has a 308 OPS. I didn't even know that was possible. That is just atrocious. Didi's been pretty good, a 798 OPS. The 475 slugging is really up. Didi's bad 295. On the season, I, I would have guessed the average was lower than that, but Didi, um, Didi's been great, and and boy, does Didi play a great shortstop. What a what a defensive player that guy is. I mean, it's he makes it look easy. You know, it's fluid and um, takes tough plays and really finds a way to make them seem a hell of a lot less tough. <laughs> to put it bluntly, um, really, um, been very impressed with with Didi from a defensive perspective. Um, and again, offensively, he's been great too. And and um, really, the offense, the shame is like Segura just starting it a little bit. McCutcheon starting to break out of a little bit, which is good to see. The Segura thing's a bummer because it does look like he's about to potentially have an IL stint in front of him. But look, offensively, I think the takeaway is, you know, while this has felt like a, um, a lost cause as a Phillies team, so to speak, this season, um, it's not as bad as it seems. You know, I, I know that seems, you know, somewhat silly uh, with some of the arguments we have, but it's not. Um, they just need this bullpen to be better. And, look, I don't know if it can be better. It, to be fair, it's hard to be worse. We were talking about a historic level of horrendousness. And ultimately, I think that when all said and done, that this bullpen will be bad enough, so to speak, that, you know, it just – it it inhibits your ability to reach any true levels of, of greatness or whatever. But, look, if they can be slightly better, the, the offense is going to rake. Um, they're going to hit. And the starting pitching's been better than not. You know, Velasquez stinks like we expected. Arietta is who we think he is for the most part. Maybe you get a little bit better, we hope. And I think Eflin's look pretty good, but Nola and Wheeler are, are a legit one, too. And I think Spencer Howard will get there. I know he's not looked great yet, but I think Spencer Howard's going to be legit as well. I think that there's upside, you know, with the rotation. And again, sitting at eight and nine, you know, they're they're square in the the mix of a playoff spot. They're square in the mix of winning the division. They're only two games back right now. We'll go through the standings again, but they are only two games back in the the National League East. I mean, that is doable. That is not a um, Crazy thing, it's just, I, I think, again, like we talked a little bit about yesterday, it feels like because these games were so amplified from an importance level that we almost have gone too far with the amplification of them. <laughs> it's almost like we have gone a little bit overboard um, that, you know, reacting, especially waiting for sports for so long, maybe maybe slightly overreacting. Well, you know, might have. I Not me, obviously, but I think people might have. No, seriously, look, I, I get it. I mean, that bullpen... It's so frustrating. I mean, just think about where this team could be at if the bullpen were, were solid. I mean, we could talk, be talking about a team where we're in handily in first place and saying this is a this is a great baseball team here. Wouldn't that have been cool? But I do think ultimately maybe a, a little too far towards the freak outside of things that um, in the sense that that when this team is is going a little bit, they can rake and they can they can slug their way to some victories. And look, they're gonna have to, but. Ultimately, you got Nolan Wheeler two out of five days. I mean, you don't ask that much from your bullpen. I mean, I see the recipe. I see the formula. Again, I still think it's flawed. I still think the 
certainly as a fan rooting for a team that has such a undependable, disappointing bullpen is going to take it out of us. It's going to be a tumultuous, at times upsetting, frustrating year. I know what that's like. It is tough to root for a team that's not a good bullpen. It it just kind of sucks the excitement out of out of moments. It uh, it pulls your confidence out of moments. Again, you know, even over the weekend watching against the Mets, you know, how many times did it just feel like, oh, they're going to screw it up. They're going to find a way. The bullpen will find a way to ruin it. We just knew it was going to happen. We just knew it was going to happen, right? And that's okay. You know, I, I get it. Um, so it does suck some of it out of it. But at the same time, I do think that maybe not overreacting how bad the bullpen is, but overreacting to the fact that they're going to be in this. You know, this Phillies team is going to be in it till the end. This season is going to be so jumbled. And with all these teams making the playoffs, all eight playoff teams in the National League, that it's going to come down to the last week. It's going to come down to the end. This Phillies team is going to fight for it. And, you know, ultimately, yes, it's probably going to be the bullpen that, that is the Achilles heel that ends up ending their season either in the playoffs or prior to it. But I do think they're going to be in it. And, you know, the, the Phillies being a, a team that, it doesn't give us anything this summer in terms of competing, something to look forward to. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. You know, I think we're going to have some excitement. I think we're going to have some um, some semblance of a, a push, so to speak. Um, I just think that, you know, I, I think that maybe we a little bit overreacted to the start of the season. Um, and, again, look, they're 8-9 and nine now. Um, And look, this is a big week coming up. Let's get to it because this is a big week of baseball in the sense that these are games that that they need to take advantage of, right? Um, They got the Braves coming up this weekend, Friday through Sunday, in Atlanta. Prior to that, you got four games against the Blue Jays and the the Red Sox. Uh, Tonight against Boston, then tomorrow a day game against Boston, then a doubleheader on Thursday against Toronto. These two teams are a combined 13 and 27 on the season. Toronto is 7-11 and Boston at 6 and 16 is one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. Record-wise, they have the most losses. The Pittsburgh Pirates who have played less games, the only team with a worse winning percentage than the Boston Red Sox. That's how horrendous the Red Sox have been. They've been that bad. They've used 11 different starting pitchers in 22 games. Think about that. 11 pitchers in 22 games. How insane is that? The Red Sox are horrendous. The Phillies need to go into Boston and take advantage of this team. The Phillies need to go to Toronto for a doubleheader against a Toronto team that stinks. Lost their best player, Bo Bichette. Not going to be playing in the series as a knee injury. You know, hope he's okay. Doesn't look great. They've lost their best player. They're 7-11 with their best player. These are winnable baseball games. And we talked a lot during that Orioles series as the Phillies were blowing it against a Baltimore team that has lost over 100 games each of the last two years, a team that just isn't as talented as the Phillies. And look, it's turning out the way the Orioles are playing that, you know, at least in this weird sham of a season, maybe the Orioles are better than we thought. You know, they're playing good baseball. They're playing team baseball. I've been impressed with what I've seen from a bunch of nobodies. They're figuring it out. Ultimately, by the end of the season, if I had to bet, I would bet on the Orioles regressing back to the mean a little bit. I would bet on the Orioles not being the type of team that's going to sweep better teams than them by the end of the season that 
ultimately it will catch up with them, that this is a good streak of baseball. But we talked a lot in that series about the idea of the Phillies needing to win the games they're supposed to win. It being a season which, as we've discussed so many times, as a Phillies schedule that is incredibly tough. A lot of difficult opponents on the schedule. As such, it became that much more important for the Phillies to win the games they're supposed to win. And I got on them a lot with that Orioles series as a series of losing three games to a team you're supposed to beat. That was an Orioles team that, again, is playing good baseball there. That was a preseason thing. We are in the season now. We're seeing these teams play. The Red Sox and the Blue Jays are teams the Phillies need to beat. They are teams that the Phillies should be able to handle the way they've been playing. They need to win three of the next four. That's what they need. I mean, ideally, you sweep all four, and, and all of a sudden we're talking about how excited we are about Phillies baseball. But winning three of four is acceptable, and that's what should happen. The Phillies should be back at 500. They need to win these games. They need to be above 500 at the end of the stretch here. And they can. They need to win three or four. And I think it's very doable. Again, they are a significantly better baseball team than the Red Sox and then the Blue Jays right now. So they need to win these games. Like, they need to take advantage of these teams. They need to win the games they're supposed to win. And that starts right now especially getting into a big series in Atlanta this weekend, plus something we haven't talked about much, but the idea that the Phillies have only been on the road for one game this season. Technically, kind of, they've played two road games because they played the home game, the doubleheader, where the Yankees were quote-unquote the home team. But they've only left Citizens Bank Park for one game this year. They went up to New York. That's it. This is their first road trip of the season. Think about that. And they got to go up to Boston, then to, to Boston, then Buffalo for a day before heading to Atlanta for the weekend. And then they're heading to Washington for a three-game stretch before coming home. This is big. This is the first time we'll see the Phillies travel. The first time they've had to go on the road for anything. How will they, how will they act on the road? Will they be able to, to carry this momentum from the Mets series on the road? This is a new thing for this Phillies team this year, especially obviously in this unique year with all the other implications of everything this is a big test for the Phillies now a big road trip against teams that you need to win 10 game road trip coming up this is big obviously the Braves and the Nationals on the back end of it hugely important because that's the division those are the teams they're fighting with but hey man like you gotta beat the teams you're supposed to beat Boston and Toronto are teams you're supposed to beat they need to win three of the next four in the next three days so this is big stuff. Pitching matchup-wise, I actually think they have the advantage, too, which is great considering it's the bottom of the rotation going. But you got Zach Eflin against Zach Godley. Zach Eflin is absolutely a better pitcher than Zach Godley right now. Zach Godley was a cast-off from the Diamondbacks, has been flat-out bad. Um, that's a major advantage. Then they go up against a guy who, again, I had to look up his name yesterday. I had never heard of Kyle Hart before. I watch a lot of baseball. I talk about a lot of baseball. I've heard of the vast majority of these guys. No idea who Kyle Hart was. None. He's a pitcher for the Red Sox. There you go. You're welcome. Yeah, Kyle Hart on Wednesday. 135 game, Arietta versus Hart. That's a big one. They need to win those games. Eflin and Arietta are better than Godley and Hart. You need to win those games. And then Spencer Howard in game one, Nolan game two against Toronto. That's winnable. 
That's winnable. Chase Anderson they're going up against, he's very beatable. A very hittable pitcher. Eminently hittable. This is a big four-game stretch for the Phillies. Not because they're tough games, and not because it's an opponent you're fighting against, because there are not that many gimmies on this schedule. There just aren't. We always know any NL East game is going to be tough, including the Marlins. The Yankees, the Rays, all these other teams. This is it. These are the gimmies. These are the gimmies right here. The Phillies need to take advantage of them. They need to beat the Red Sox. They need to beat the Blue Jays. Big stretch of baseball coming up here. Again, we're not going to overreact too much like we talked about. Go over the top, whatever. But it's a big stretch of baseball here. The Phillies need to win games they're supposed to win. That is a crucial thing for this team this year if they want to do anything. They need to win games they're supposed to. They got some games they're supposed to win coming up here. So hopefully, hopefully the Phillies can get the job done. Either way, you know we'll be here. We'll talk about it. We'll react. So tonight, 730, Phillies, Red Sox, and then day game. After that, we'll be back to react to it all tomorrow. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy. And again, thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.